0: song we want to teach you this morning. Um, It's been a a song we've really enjoyed uh, learning together, practicing. We want to share it with you. It's called Grace is on Our Side. Uh, It goes like this.
1: In Jesus' name, from morning to dancing, in Jesus' name, from battle to blessing, we go in Jesus' name. Sing that with us, from glory to glory in Jesus. Name. is on our side. Your grace is on our
0: side. Man, I love how that song just talks about. If can't escape his grace, it'll always be there uh, for us. Uh, thanks for singing with us. Have a seat.
2: thank you zach you're a good place bass player dude i always enjoy watching you up here he you don't you don't talk much but it's like you speak through your bass guitar you know i probably heard you say five words but watching you play bass is awesome so thanks for thanks for That's being up awesome. here uh i i only have one announcement and that is 6 30 wednesday nights the gathering uh we've been doing it two weeks in a row it's been great uh attendance uh attendance increasing, so there is plenty of room. So Wednesday night, 6.30, uh, right here in the church, we have, uh, I guess what I'll call a mystery potluck, because it's not super coordinated, and everybody just, so you you may have 18 bags of chips and some cookies, or you might have, you know, a pizza and a stew, and you just never know, but everybody brings something. If uh, We have started our study, but that's okay. You can jump in. It's not like, you know uh we're not going to be like oh tell them what happened they're not going to know so jump in at any point uh 6 30 wednesday nights the gathering uh everybody is welcome we are glad that you are here thank you the, i'm glad you, the transi- i've been told we're supposed to be really slow on the transition so <laughs> it's good that you took a while getting up here
3: oh, thanks i don't need that are who God says that we are. So the band's going to play Who You Say I Am by Hillsong United right now, and then we're going to discuss exactly who God says that we are.
4: Who
0: Pray with me, God. We are just my, my mind is blown just thinking about these lyrics. Um, we, um, we find our identity in you, literally, and there is, it is in nobody else, it is in nothing else, nothing that gives us purpose in life except for you. Uh, we are chosen. Um, by you and we are exactly who you say that we are. Help us to remember uh, today, to to learn today as we read your word and to remember this week, Lord, that that you are um, for us and, and not against us. You're with us every step of the way. We love you, God. In your name I pray.
3: Amen. 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 So just viewing this song, what does God say about us? Well, the first thing he says about us is this, we are free. Now, this is a statement that we often hear when we speak of our relationship with Jesus, right? Freedom, we're free. But how many of us can, off, uh, can, can truly say that, that we live in that freedom that has been won for us by Christ? Too often we still live as slaves to our sin, but if we look at John 8, 36, it says, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Specifically, we are free from sin. You need to know, you need to understand, you need to grasp, That when God has forgiven your sin, you are free from that sin. Sin enslaves us, it ensnares us, and and it prevents us from being able to progress in life. But here's the awesomeness of God, or I should say one of the many awesomenesses of God. I don't even think that's a word, but I'm going to use it anyways. That we are free from the guilt of sin. We are free from the guilt of sin. I want you to hear that. I want you to meditate on that and think about that. We are free from the guilt of sin. We are free from that guilt of sin. You know, in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 18, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come and the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of of reconciliation. Not only do we find ourselves free from the guilt of sin, but we can also find ourselves free from the allure of sin. Free from the allure of sin. You know, one of the reasons that so many of us sin, so many of us struggle with sin is because, quite frankly, a lot of times sin is fun. Right? Sin is fun. I've sinned a lot in my life, and I had a great time doing it. Uh, Not that I would advise you to continue down that path, I obviously did my best to leave that path, but the allure of sin is something that that Christ can free us from. Because even though at times we feel like we're having fun, sin ultimately leads to our death and to our destruction. And we we gain this freedom through the renewing of our minds and the changing of our hearts. I'm going to read 2 Corinthians 5 17 and 18 again. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We need to take ownership of our freedom and exit the sin cycle. We need to take ownership of our freedom and exit the sin cycle. We sin and what happens is then we fixate on our guilt and the shame that we feel and we allow sin to grab a foothold in our lives. We allow it to... to, control our minds and take up our thought space and all that leads to is more sin right it's really kind of logical if you think about something all the time then chances are you're more likely to do it or to participate in that action right like I think about fishing all the time I go fishing a lot I think about golf quite often I golf as often as I can Um, I think about eating a lot as well I do a pretty good job at uh, maintaining my my weight, right? If something controls our thought space, then we are more likely to to participate in those actions. And so we have to allow ourselves and we have to trust God to know that when he says that we are free, we are free and to let go of that sin and to let go of that shame and to, to get it out of our thought space so that we can overcome those struggles that all of us face on a daily basis, if we allow ourselves to, to give sin that foothold in our minds, it just leads to the redundancy of sin. What we have to understand is that conviction is different from guilt. When we talk about it from a religious standpoint, conviction is different than guilt. See, conviction is that feeling that the thing that's telling us that we did wrong. It's God's tool to, to call us back to him, for us to, to come and, and lay our sin at his feet to seek forgiveness and to move on beyond that. Guilt is something that that Satan uses to entrap us and to ensnare us and to keep us downtrodden, to make us to continue to feel like we are less than and not worthy of the love that, that God has for us. So we need to understand that we are free. We are free. The second thing I want us to understand is this. We are opposition proof. We are opposition-proof. What does that mean? Well, first, let's talk about what I don't mean. What I don't mean is that we never actually face opposition, because we do. We all face opposition all the time, earthly and otherworldly, okay? There are forces working against us, usually on a daily basis. So we will face opposition, okay? Satan is wanting you to fixate on your sin, just like we talked about. He wants to keep you in that sin cycle, He wants to have that foothold in your life where he can make you feel guilt and make your guilt override the conviction that God has brought for us, right? Conviction, again, is is meant to bring us back to forgiveness, meant to bring us back to God's feet. Guilt is meant to keep us right exactly where we are. Satan wants to entrap you into this falsehood that you could never be worthy of God's love that you could never be worthy of God's love, that you could somehow be made unwanted by God, okay? Now, here's what I do mean. What I do mean is this. While opposition is a foregone conclusion, it's a guaranteed part of Christian life. It's a guaranteed part of Christian life, but that opposition is destined to lose. It is destined to lose. So therefore, we are opposition proof. We are opposition proof. See, here's... Another greatness of God that in his sovereign self-existence as the creator of all things, everything bows at his feet, including Satan. Everything bows at his feet. It has no other option. When God says I win, the game is over. When God says it is finished, then it is done. And so we need to understand that while we face opposition, while we struggle with sin, while we continue to at times have strife in this life and and struggle through things, that in the end, the victory is won. God wants you to know right here, right now, today, that you are opposition proof, that he is on your side, that he stands for you, and therefore nothing, nothing, nothing can stand against you. Nothing can stand against you. In fact, here's the thing. God is so for us that he didn't even spare his son. He's so for us that he did not even spare his son. When it came time for the ultimate sacrifice to be made for our sin, so that for once and all, for all we could be reconciled with God, he gave his son to die on a cross. And forever the scoreboard will stand opposition zero, God infinity, God eternally. Right? There is no loss to ever be had when we are part of the family of God. Matthew 8, 31. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Hey, dummies, the answer is no one. That's really what he's saying. Hey, moron, stop living life as if you've been defeated. I've already won the victory, I'm on your side. And if God is for us, there's no one that can stand against us. There's nothing that can stand against us. There's no situation that can truly defeat us. Death on this earth, the end of this life, for us is just the beginning of our greatest adventure, of our eternity with God in heaven. We can no longer live life slaves to sin and fearful of our shadows. Not when the game has already been won. Not when God has already guaranteed that the victory is ours. Don't allow yourself. Don't allow yourself to live a slave to sin. Don't allow yourself to not take that freedom that God has won for us, that Christ has won for us and live confidently within it. The last thing that you have to understand is this. We are chosen. We are chosen. John 1:12 Yet to all who did receive him to those who believed in his name he gave the right for them to become children of God. I am chosen and not forsaken. The wonderful thing about being children of God only fully dawned on me this week while we were at the gathering Wednesday night because we talked about a passage in Ephesians chapter 1 that talks about how God in his foreknowledge chose us and had a plan for us and adopted us, and predestined us to be His. And this is both one of those things where I'm 30 years old, I've been in ministry for 12 years, I have a biblical degree, and yet somehow this only just now fully dawned on me. So come to the gathering on Wednesday nights. Shameless plug, it fits perfectly. Because it might change the way that you see God. And how much he loves you. I'm chosen and I'm not forsaken. You see, we started out in the garden. Talking about mankind. We started out in the garden in perfect relationship with God. Living side by side with our creator the exact way that he had intended it to be. And then through our own decisions, thanks a lot, Adam and Eve, everything was ruined. Our own choices severed that relationship We had sonship, we chose to be enemies. We had sonship, we chose to be enemies. Everything was exactly the way that we strive for it to be again. The the expectation of joy that we have in heaven was already ours. And we gave it up. We gave it up. We were sons, we were daughters, we chose to be enemies. And yet even with that being the case, God still made adoption possible. God still made adoption possible. He looked at us and said, even though you screwed this up, even though I had it perfectly laid out for you, even though we were going to live in harmony perfectly, the way that I had designed it to be, even though I had everything perfect and you chose to ruin it all, I'm going to come and offer you a way to be adopted back into my family once again. So in Ephesians 1, 3-5, it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with the spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, even knowing that we would turn on him, he loved us anyways. God wants you to know today that you were chosen in spite of all the wrong that you may have done, in spite of the sin, in spite of the shame that you feel, in spite of how unworthy you might feel. God does not care. I know we've already covered this in the sermon series. I may cover it every Sunday and it doesn't matter because I want you to hear this. God does not care about your condition. He just wants you to know that your condition is this, loved and chosen he wants you it doesn't matter when or why or how he wants you and he wants all the people that you come across and he wants all the people that you live life with and they are equally chosen remember he bankrupted heaven on the off chance on the off chance that we might choose him back know today that you are chosen He knew we would abandon sonship, and through Jesus made adoption into sonship possible again. And here's the absolutely, and I do mean absolutely, mind blowing aspect of all of this. When that happened, when God made sonship again possible, we became co heirs with Christ. I want you to think about that for a second. I want you to think about that for a second because none of us would ever count ourselves on the same level as Christ. And yet, that's exactly where the love of God put us. We're not a tier below. We're on an even playing field. We become co-heirs with Christ. It probably is making you a little uncomfortable right now to hear me say that because it makes me uncomfortable to say it. It makes me uncomfortable to read it and realize it. But we become co-heirs with Christ. Romans 8, 17. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. See, we would never count ourselves worthy or capable, but through our adoption, we are on equal footing with Christ. And if that doesn't blow your mind, And if that doesn't solidify how much you are loved by God the Father, I don't know what else will. If that doesn't change your outlook on your struggle with sin or your struggle with life or your self-worth or fill in the blank, if that doesn't show you exactly how loved you are by God, I don't know what else to tell you. I don't know what else to tell you. Because God through his grace and his love for us, made us equal with a perfect and spotless lamb. Set us up as co-heirs with the one and only individual who ever walked this earth and lived life perfectly, without sin, blameless. Who took on our sin and had his body broken and had his blood shed to cover all of our sins just to ensure that all of us would be on equal footing with him. Absolutely, positively, mind-blowing. But because of that love, we have a place in our Father's house, and it isn't in the servant's quarters. It isn't in the servant's quarters It's in the throne room. We worship because we are free. We worship because we are chosen. We worship because nothing can stand against us. And we worship because we are adopted. I think one of the most important things that we can do throughout this series is to identify personally for each and every one of us why we worship. You want a challenge for this week. At some point during this week, I want you to give yourself time. 15, 20, 30 an hour, two hours, however long it takes to write a manifesto, so to speak, on exactly why it is while you worship. Why is it that you worship? This is why I, Phil Sousa, worship. This is why I, Jack Altermatt, worship. Right? This, this is why I, as an individual, worship. Because the successfulness of any task I know I've said this before in life. I don't know if I've said it here, but I'm sure I have. The successfulness of any task in life is identifying our purpose behind why we perform that task. So why come to church and why worship? What's the point? What's the point? Because if this time is not changing your life, you might as well be on the golf course. If this does nothing for you and you aren't doing anything for him, Go to Whitewater. I don't know. Harsh but true. We need to identify our purpose for why we come to church every week, why we worship God, why are we living lives as Christians, why are we saying that this is so important? Because if you can't just tell me that, if I can't say, hey, what's your purpose for worshiping? If you just can't rattle off an answer, and we've got problems. We've got problems. So this week, identify that purpose. Figure out exactly why it is that you live life the way that you do. Why is it that you come to church on Sundays? Why is it that you stand and worship God? What is the point? What is the point? And yes, I know it's because he's worthy of it. That's not what I'm saying. But figure out Why is he worthy of it to you? Because each one of us will have different answers. And each one of us will identify an individual purpose for why it's important to us. Let's pray. God, I come to you right now. I thank you for this day and I thank you for this time where we can come and we can lay an offering of worship at your feet. God, I pray that you help us to remove all distractions as we finish out our service, to just give us time where we can focus on you, where we can pour our hearts out to you. Lord, each and every one of us has an individual reason for why we see that you are worthy to be worshipped. And God, I pray that you just make that so evidently clear to us if we're struggling to, to come up with a concise answer of why we worship you. You chose us when you could have forsaken us. When we chose to be enemies, you gave us a way to be sons and daughters again. Frankly, we will never ever comprehend why other than what it is that your word tells us. And what it tells us is that you love us. You love us. So God, I pray that you help us to love ourselves and to love others the same way that you do. Help us to stand now before you, to cast our carriers at your feet, to repent of any sin that may be in the way of our relationship with you this morning, and to move forward free of guilt. Sons and daughters of Christ who were chosen to live life with you, God, we ask for these wonderful things in Jesus' name, Amen. I'm going to stand right back here over by these double doors. And Allie Olhorn, Allie, will you raise your hand. She's going to stand right up over there, uh, under that TV screen. For those of you that don't know Allie, Allie is newer to us, but uh, she not only has a heart for God and a heart for Jesus, but she has a heart for prayer. She loves to pray. And she wants to pray for you, as do I. This is not a time where you will receive judgment. This is not a time where we're going to look down on you. This is not a time for us to figure out the gossip or the struggle that you are facing in your life. This is a time to have somebody go to bat for you with God. To come with you to the feet of Jesus, to lay down whatever struggle it is that you're facing, whether it's personal or someone else in your life, and to ask God to act, to act and to move in those situations. Prayer is one of the most powerful tools that we have to experience freedom and to experience the love of God. But we have to use it. We have to use it. And so she's gonna stand right over there and I'm gonna be back here. And if you wanna pray with either one of us, know that in no way, shape or form, are you a burden. It is our joy. It is our joy to be able to pray with you. Otherwise, stand with us now and let's worship the God who chose us.
4: Who am I that the voices in my mind that say. every failure God you'll have every victory
0: God's message is strong and it is clear this morning. Um, The things that we need to believe are the things that he believes of us. Um, uh, Go ahead and have a seat if if you'd like. We're going to sing one more song this morning before we go. And um, if you would like to give in person, we are just asked that you give on your way out. Um, If you've not already, there's a a box in the back that you can uh, drop your um, tithe money into if you'd like. Um, We're just not going to pass the plate uh, during this time. Um, And so uh, if you're watching us online, you can give online if you want. If you're watching us, if if you're here worshiping with us in person, you can give online. So um, that's always an option for you. Um, Let's uh, uh, pray for our offering and then we'll sing one more song. God, we thank you um, that you are alive and well. You presently call us sons and daughters. It's not one day when we get to heaven, when we finally meet you face to face, that that is the day that we become adopted by you. It is now. It is right now. It is today. We are currently co-heirs with your son, which just blows my mind. And Lord, I pray that we would live like that, (laughs) that we would actually Every day, live like a son, like a daughter of the Lord Jesus Christ of God himself. And not play this game where we, we just consider our, our, our lives just one more breath into the ether. That, that our lives have purpose. Are, we are here for a reason. And you yourself have called us worthy and worth something. It's all because of you, Lord. No matter what the world tells us we're worth, it doesn't matter. Uh, the only thing that matters is what you say. Lord, as we give our tithes and our offerings to you now, I pray, Lord, that um, it, it would be something that would bring more people into this realization that they are worth something real, like real and tangible. <laughs> and this, this world may throw them away, but, but you have something to say to them. Help this, this tithe and this offering to go towards bringing more people into your family. In your name I pray, amen.
1: You surround me with a song born again into your family your blood flows through my veins i'm no longer a slave The sea so I could walk right through it My fears were drowned in perfect love. Your love You rescued me so I could stand and see I am a child of God
0: Church, this morning
1: declare this I'm no longer slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. One more time, no longer. I'm no longer a slave. Forever, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God.
0: And if He is for us, who can be against us, right? Amen. He is he's the awesome God who calls us sons and daughters. We are His forever and ever. That will never. No one will ever take you that away from me, huh? No one can say anything. No one can do anything to you, because God has called you His own. Isn't that amazing? Who am I that the highest King, the highest King, would welcome me? I was lost, but He brought me in. Oh, His love, His love for me. That's what I want you to go out singing this this morning. the son sets free is free indeed we have this sonship we have this daughtership in him because he has given it to us he loves us he loves you so much and you are worth it all to him he would have died just for you he died for everybody because he loves the world thank you for being here with us this morning don't miss next week we're going to continue our worship series why we worship write your manifesto this week think about why you worship as a christian why do you come why do you worship god that will I think, electrify your worship times uh, going forward if you'll do that, okay? Thanks for being here this morning. We love you. We'll see you next time.